what I guess we call, I could call a, a mini-series because it's going to last for two weeks, and that will take us into a, a series uh, that will uh, get us prepared for Easter and take us into Easter. Uh, but over these next two weeks, we're going to be focusing on kind of the theme of table talk. Uh, and the reason that, that we selected that for a title is because here uh, in the Gospel of Luke in chapter 14, Jesus tells some stories that are based around this theme of being at the table, uh, of coming to the table, being invited to the table. How, how many of you love an invitation to eat? Huh? Right? I believe that let's eat are the two greatest words in the English vocabulary. And I, from the looks of some of you, I believe they're your favorite too, all right? Uh, I mean, there's just something awesome about an invitation to, to eat. And, and it's not just the food, but it's when we eat with someone. When you eat with someone, there's just something more personal uh, about that, right? The coming together, to, of breaking bread together and having food together, uh, it, it creates a connection uh, it builds relationships. That's often how uh, we build relationships in our lives is by coming together over a meal. I mean, think about it. Your first date with your spouse probably included food, right? Because we make love connections over food. So Jesus invites us to come to the table. And so we're going to be focusing on that over the next few weeks. Lynette and I talk about a lot in the marriage group that we do. Uh, that we've been hosting for the last several years. Uh, we talk about the importance of family meals. Having family meals together, it's where conversations about life take place, and those intimate conversations are what keep us connected and, and, and you know, keep our relationship together. Uh, matter of fact, I saw some pretty interesting statistics about this not long ago, about the importance of family meal times together with children. Uh, it was a study that showed that kids who ate regularly uh, with their family as a family unit uh, were considerably healthier. Here's the alarming thing, and 72% less likely to experience depression, to struggle with self-esteem, to have suicidal thoughts, or use illegal drugs than those who did not. Meals are important. They're, they're important. So it's good news for you and for me when Jesus invites us to the table. All right? It's a personal invitation uh, to you to connect with him, to have relationship with him. It, it's an invitation uh, if, to so many degrees. It's an open invitation, but it's an invitation for those of you who don't know Christ who maybe have never accepted Him or received Him into your heart as Lord and Savior of your life. Or, or maybe it's an invitation for you if you feel like you don't fit in. Uh, it's an invitation for people who feel that they're far from God uh, because of their past or maybe the sins or the mistakes that they've made in their life uh, in the past. It's an invitation to be forgiven. It's an invitation to have your soul renewed by Jesus in a very real and tangible way uh, in your life. It, it's an invitation for those of you who know Jesus, but maybe have wandered or left uh, Him for some reason to come back to Him. And, and here's what's cool. Here's what's cool about that. I have the privilege today on behalf of Him 
to extend you an invitation. All right? And and so uh, the invitation is this. Come to the table. Or maybe come back to the table. Not just come back to the church, but come back into the the fellowship of the bride of Christ and community of believers. And so today we're going to look at uh, this invitation to us and see what keeps a lot of people uh, from coming to the table. And at the end, I'm going to extend you an invitation, uh, various invitations, but the most important invitation is that you would receive Christ as Lord and Savior of your life if you've never done that before. So Jesus starts out his invitation with what appears to be just some random uh, social advice here, which is actually not random at all, and we're going to come back to it at the end and see how it all fits together. So let's start at verse 7 this morning. The context of this is that Jesus is actually at a party himself, all right, when he shares this. Verse number 7 says, When he noticed how the guests picked places of honor at the table, he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor, for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. Verse 9, If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, Give this person your seat. Then, humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. But when you are invited, take the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he will say to you, Friend, move up to a better place. Then you will be honored in the presence of all the other guests. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. So it sounds like Jesus is just kind of giving them some random advice here. Random but good Uh, and practical social advice, but it's not random, and we'll see that. Let's keep going on. Skip down to verse number 15. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. This tells you a little bit about the audience that he's talking to right now. They are very religious, right? And so Jesus takes, you know, he begins this by saying, It's important that we're the lowest, we're humble. He's speaking to a group of people that are far from humble. He's speaking to a group of religious leaders here. And so when Jesus starts talking about this, you know, it looks to me like one of them wants to change the subject. And so he interjects, you know, but blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. And it gives Jesus this opportunity to share another story With this group of people, he replies, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. And I love it that Jesus speaks about the kingdom of God and and speaks of heaven being like a party. All right? I I love that. Uh, If you got something against parties, then you're against Jesus. All right? Because we see Jesus go to a lot of parties. And I love the fact that he talks about the kingdom of God being like a party. I don't know how you picture eternity being, but I believe it's going to be more like a party than sitting on a cloud strumming a harp, okay? I just don't think I'd be real satisfied in that environment. And so I believe it's going to be a party, and it's going to be a big party. And who doesn't love a party, right? Verse 7, at the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited Come, for everything is now ready. So there's this great banquet that's being planned. A lot of people have been invited to the party. Let's eat. 
right? We're being invited to the table here at this point in the story. Now look at this, verse 18. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field, and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. So this first fella is a farmer, right? And a liar. I I mean, think about it. Is this a legitimate excuse that he's given? You know, he he didn't want to go, did he? He didn't want to go, and and he wouldn't be honest, and so he comes up with some lame excuse off the cuff. And and you may be thinking, well, Steve, it's a little bit harsh to be calling him a liar, but he's either a liar or a fool, (laughs) right? Or he would have looked at the field before he bought it, right, Craig? I mean, help me, right? I mean, would you not? And... I mean, who buys land they've never looked at? And if he was telling the truth, you know, couldn't this have waited till tomorrow? I mean, it's dirt. It's not going anywhere. And he's already bought it. Verse 19, another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Now, this is ridiculous as the first guy's excuse. Now, this would have been a pretty major investment. Matter of fact, scholars saying... Just buying one yoke of ox, oxen would have cost half a year's income. Okay, so basically what he's saying here is he's put out two and a half years worth of income without thoroughly checking them out first. I mean, who does that? You know, that, that kind of like, being a, like buying a car on the, on the Internet, which I have done before, by the way. But it would kind of like be... Uh, like being uh, buying a car on the internet and not knowing anything about it. Well, what kind of car did you buy? I don't know. I just bought it. Let's go check it out. See what we got. All right? I mean, it would kind of be like that. Verse 20. Still another said, this is my favorite one of all. I just got married, so I cannot come. I preached a message from this passage of Scripture years and years and years ago. And the title of it was A Farm, An Ox, and a Henpecked Husband. <laughs> but I mean, really? A new wife does not want to get dressed up and go to a party with her new husband? You know, and besides that, newlyweds are usually poor and they'll take a free meal anytime they can get one, you know? So this again is a pretty lame excuse. Is excuse. All these excuses are not very good. Verse 21, the servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered the servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. So there's two shocking things about this story that Jesus is sharing here. The first is that the people who were invited to the banquet wouldn't come. All right, and the second shocking thing is that this rich guy would then fill up his house with the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Verse 22, Sir, the servant said, What you ordered has been done, but there's still room. Then the master told his servant, Then go out to the roads, and go out to the country lanes, and compel them to come in, so that my house will be full. And this, at, at, right now, this group that Jesus is talking to would have gasped. All right? 
that this would have blown all their minds because in Jewish culture saying go out to the roads and the country lanes meant inviting the outcast of society. All right? These are not just the poor. They are the misfits. These would be the ex-cons. That this, these would be the sex offenders. These would be the ones who are not allowed to be a part of society or even allowed to be a part of the city. Bring them to my party, Jesus says. Verse 24, I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. Now, now don't miss this because do you notice here how Jesus switches in the story at this point, over to the first person. Because up until now, he's been telling the story, but now he switches that to show that this is personal to him. All right? He's the master in this story. And the ones that are sitting in front of him are the ones making excuses. This parable is about their response to the gospel. This parable is about their response to Jesus. God had invited them, the Jews, through Jesus Christ to come into the kingdom, but now they are making excuses as to why they can't or they won't follow the way, the truth, and the life, who is Jesus Christ. These are really religious people, okay? And Jesus had invited them to follow him, but they won't respond and they won't follow. And so real quick this morning, I believe there's three things here that this story shows us. Three reasons why, don't miss this, good people miss the kingdom of God. Three reasons why religious people miss the kingdom of God and the invitation. And the first is this. Some miss the party because they fail to recognize the importance of the invitation. Some are going to miss it because they fail to understand and recognize the importance of the invitation that has been delivered to them. You know, think about it. The excuses given in this story, they're not really evil, right? I mean, they're not really evil excuses. They're not really bad excuses. I mean, none of them said, sorry, I won't be able to attend because I've got a drug deal that day, right? None of them replied, you know, I'm sorry I can't come because I've got a body to hide. I mean, these aren't evil excuses. They're just random, apathetic excuses. But they become evil because they're used to justify ignoring something that is extremely important. All right, even if the excuses sound legitimate to you. Well, you know, maybe the new married couple, you know, maybe they're just tired from their honeymoon and they just need some time at home to rest. Maybe, you know, give them a break. Maybe that's a legit excuse. Maybe he really does need to get, go see those oxen. You know, maybe we don't know the whole story and we don't know the circumstance or the situation uh, and so, you know, could be, could be good. Uh, and, and I want to think of it in, in ways like this. Sometimes I will have someone in my office, okay? I'll be visiting with someone in, in my office. Someone will call on the church phone, and they'll talk to Carla, who is our administrator. 
right? And she will tell them, can I take a message? I'm sorry he can't come to the phone right now. He's with someone, all right? Or, or maybe I'm busy, I'm in another part of the church, or maybe, you know, I'm out, you know, making hospital visits, or, you know, I'm just busy, I've got something else going on. They call, they want to talk to me, and she says, I'm sorry, he can't take your call right now. He's busy. All of those would be legitimate excuses, would they not? All right? But if it's my wife on the other end of the line, and she's calling and saying, Carla, I've got a flat. I'm on the side of the interstate. I need him to come help me. This is an emergency. Then all of those excuses, which were legitimate, are all now lame excuses when it comes to that situation, right? See what I'm saying? So, how important is an invitation from God? You know, wouldn't that trump everything else going on in your life? If you had an invitation from the King of Kings, you know, uh, what... They said, I was killing me. You should have seen me in that first service. I just laid down up here and preached. Well, no. I was thinking about Lynette and I were talking about this. You know, this would be kind of like if they had set a date for your first grandchild to be born. Okay? And I don't have any. I don't know anything about that or what that would be like. I can only dream about what it would be like to have grandkids someday. No pressure, boys. No pressure. But Hayden, please get married first. Um, but if my grandchild was being born and my kids had given me the date and said, I want you to be there, can you imagine anything else getting in between me and that date to be there? Nothing. Absolutely nothing, right? Oh, man, I hate it. I hate it, kids, but... I've got some oxen to go look at. You know, your mom and I bought this land. We've not seen it yet, so we're you know that's the day we've set aside to go check it out. I'm going to be there, oxen or no oxen, huh? God has invited you to His banquet. He has invited you to His. Party, the King of Kings has sent you a personal invitation. And don't miss this it's an invitation for lost people to be found, it's an invitation for broken people to be put back together, it's an invitation for lonely people to find community, it's an invitation to have shame. And regret lifted. It's an invitation to have your sins cleansed, washed away, and forgiven. Wouldn't that be an invitation that would trump everything else? Help me. You know, and and, and so some people miss the kingdom of God because they don't see the importance in the invitation that they've been sent and that they have received. The, the second reason people miss God. Some miss the party because they feel unworthy. 
They feel unworthy. This story was scandalous because rich and important people would never invite those kinds of people to the table. Right? People that had it all together and people that were looked at, you know, favorably among the community, they would have never invited the poor, the lame, the blind, and the outcast into their home for a social gathering. But that's exactly who Jesus said God is inviting. That's good news for me. And a lot of people miss the party because they don't believe that God would really want them there. You know, and, and, and I don't know why, but there's just something instinctive in us that feels like we have to earn whatever it is that we receive. It, it, it's kind of like when they have a potluck at work. I'm not slamming potlucks, so just no. I'm against them, but I ain't slamming them. But y'all have potlucks at work sometimes, those of you that work. And, and let's say you had one scheduled for this Friday, and you got there, and when you got there, you realized, I forgot, or I didn't have time to prepare something or stop and buy something on the way. And you just kind of feel weird about going to it then, don't you? I mean, do you not? No, some of you are moochers, so you wouldn't have any problem with that, but. But, I mean, you would just kind of feel weird about going at that point. So some of you would probably come up with some lame excuse off the cuff as quick as you could as to why that you couldn't go. But the truth is the reason that you don't want to go is because you didn't have anything to bring. You didn't have anything to offer. You didn't feel like you could enjoy it and enjoy what everyone else had brought to the table because you didn't have anything to bring to the table yourself. And while that may be good social manners, all right, that's not how it is with God because there is literally nothing that you can bring to the table. All right, all of our righteousness, His Word says, is like filthy rags. We have nothing good to offer to receive an invitation to the table. We are the poor, the blind, the crippled, the lame, the outcast. We are the ones on those roads and country lanes. And so we think, how could I be invited? I'm not worthy to be invited. But you were invited. God has invited you to the table. Four times Jesus extends an invitation in this passage. He keeps saying, Come, right? Let the poor and broken come. Let the wandering and afraid come. Let those who have fallen away come. Let the shamed and rejected come. Let those who are discouraged come. Let those who have been abused come. Let those whose lives are filled with regret come. Whosoever will come. Wow. This invitation is for you no matter what road brought you here today. No matter what country road or country lane that you may find yourself on this weekend. It's for you and you've been invited to come to the table. Kind of makes you feel special now, doesn't it? Be careful. 
there's one other kind of person who misses it. Some miss the party because they refuse to acknowledge that they are unworthy. All right? Now, this is kind of the opposite of number two. In number two, people miss the party because they assume that they are too unworthy or not. You know, that, that, that they're not good enough to, to get the invitation. But Jesus points out some people here who miss the party because they refuse to acknowledge that they are unworthy and they don't take the gospel or the grace of Jesus seriously. Okay? And, and like I told you, this whole parable is an indictment on religious people. All right? And so the people who neglected Jesus because they didn't see and they didn't understand how desperate they were for him, right? And so they rejected him. They rejected Jesus. They rejected the invitation. They would end up crucifying him on the cross of Calvary because they did not understand how desperate they were for his salvation and the work of grace that he was extending them in their lives, they were religious people. And don't miss this. Religion is no substitute for faith. I don't care how many boxes you can check on things that you've done at church or for the church. Right? Doesn't matter. Religion and the things that you do are no uh, substitute for genuine faith. Because here's the deal. Religion and the check boxes. They convince you that you are doing something to earn your place at the table. Right? And if we can check enough boxes, then we deserve the invitation. Uh, we've earned it. We somehow think that we've earned it. You, you, we deserve it because look at how holy we are. Give me my invitation. You know? The message of Jesus is not a message that these people want to hear. Because uh, the message of Jesus is about, it's about humility. The message of Jesus is about putting others uh, before yourself. And yes, God created us and we are precious in His sight, but our sin corrupted us. Right? Uh, our, our sin uh, diseased us. We are the, the poor and the blind and, and the lame in this story. And Jesus died a bloody death on the cruel cross of Calvary because we were hopeless and we needed to be saved. We needed to be rescued. We needed to be restored. We needed to be healed. We needed to be born again. Jesus also said in the Gospel of Matthew over in chapter 5 that only the poor in spirit would receive this message. And the poor in spirit see Jesus' invitation for what it is and they treat it with you know, great importance and they cling to it with all they have. George Whitfield, who's preaching spawned the, the Great Awakening uh, that took place in the United States back in the 1700s. He preached basically one message, and it had two points. <laughs> I could learn from him, huh? But his message was this. First, he said this, we must repent of our sins. And of course, that made sense, right? I mean, we all know that 
we must repent of our sins. If we're going to know God and be in relationship with God, we have to have our, our sins forgiven and we have to have His help to quit sinning in the future. But second point of his message was this. He said, we must repent of our righteousness, which caught everybody totally off guard. He said this, strengths are even more dangerous than sin because our righteousness dilutes us, deludes us with false confidence thinking that we are somehow sufficient to please God. Wow. So some people miss the invitation because they refuse to recognize that they're unworthy. They refuse to recognize the grace and the importance of the grace that's been extended to us. And, and so now we're ready to understand why Jesus started this parable with what seemed like random advice about the importance of taking the low place. If you're willing to take the low place, admitting that you are the poor, admitting that you are the lame, you're the blind, you're the crippled, then... He will call you to the high place. But if you think you deserve the high place, you'll be humiliated and sent back to the low place. The gospel is not that Jesus rewards our righteousness with the high place. The gospel is that Jesus the one who deserved the high place voluntarily took the low place for you and me. And he offered us this position at the table as a gift. He traded places with us so that we could come to the table. And that's the only way the invitation and this gospel message can be received it has to be received with humility understanding who we are and our great need for a savior received with humility admitting that you have nothing within you or about you that deserves it and that means that the ones who feel rich the ones who feel powerful, the ones who feel like they've got it all going on and they're successful and, and they're healthy, those are the ones that usually miss it, miss the importance of it. This parable about taking the low place is not just good social advice, it's the way of eternal life. This morning, I told you as we began that I have a great opportunity today as his servant. See, I'm kind of like the servant in the story. I'm the one that the master is sending out with the invitation. And today, he has sent me here with an invitation for every single one of you here today. And so here's the deal. How you respond to the invitation, you're not responding to me. Right? 
your response or your excuses or whatever it may be this morning, you're not responding to me. I'm just a servant. My responsibility is to make sure you got the invitation. And it's in your hands today. And so I don't know what your invitation says, but the Holy Spirit is already speaking to your heart about what that invitation is. But maybe today that invitation, you know without a doubt, is for you to just come to the table. You've never accepted Christ. You've never surrendered your life to Him and allowed Him to save you. And so today your invitation is to come to the table that invitation is so special because you have received an invitation today from the king of kings and he's saying not only do I want you to come to my table but I want to adopt you into my family and some of you have been extended the invitation before and you I'll just tell you your excuses have been lame because if you've turned it down, you've never really understood the importance of the invitation that was extended to you. So some of you today, that's your invitation, is to accept Him as Lord and Savior of your life. Become a follower of Jesus today. Some of you today, your invitation is to come back to the table. Some of you, it's to come back into the community, to come back into the family, to where... When we're all together at the table, we connect. We build relationships. We become closer to our Father. We become closer to our brothers and sisters. And it's a time to where the family unit grows stronger and encourages one another. And we share the tough times and the good times together. And so some of you, your invitation is just to come back to the table. Be a part of that again. Some of you, the invitation is to come and just be restored. You're broken, and the invitation is to come and be restored and to be healed. I don't know what the Holy Spirit is speaking to you or what your invitation says, but I, without a doubt, know that you know exactly what it is. And so he's inviting you today to come to the table. There's really no good excuse not to. And so this morning as we close together, maybe as we pray together, and we're going to open these altars and invite you to come, come pray about whatever you need to pray about, but maybe it's in response to the invitation. Maybe you just need to come and say, I want to give my life to Christ today. And you would pray that He would forgive you of your sins and adopt you today into the family and show you your seat to the table. But this morning whatever your response is or maybe you just want to come to these altars and pray about something that's going on you just need his help need his guidance this morning I invite you to come and pray and this morning if the invitation that you receive is to receive Christ as your savior following this service today let me know alright I'm not going to embarrass you I'm not going to bug you I'm not going to hound you I, I, I just want to know that you received the invitation so I can help you in the days ahead and what it looks like to be a follower of Christ and what that journey looks like as you begin it. I just want to encourage you and help you. And so if you accept Christ today as your Lord and Savior, let somebody know. Let me know and let me pray with you and talk with you about that. But this morning, anyone that would like to come, I invite you to come. I want to invite 
Shelly and Nicole and Mackenzie, if they would come, they're leaving to go to Belize this week on a mission trip. And I know I have been where they are going, and God does some powerful things in and through people that go into all the world to make disciples. And if you ladies just join me down here by the prayer chest, be awesome. I'd just like to pray over you and commission you as you go. They're leaving on Friday to go to Belize to do kids' ministry and whatever else God may put in their path. Uh, to do, but I just want to pray a special prayer over them. Some of you would like to come and join me uh, in laying hands on them and praying that God would bless their, their mission and their ministry this week. And anyone else that would like to come pray. God, what an incredible reminder today of your love for us. And we feel so unworthy to be able to approach the table, but you said, come. Come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. There are some people that have walked through these doors this morning that fit that description. God, there's been an invitation extended to every single person in this room. You know what that invitation is to. I pray today for those that were here that acknowledged and received the invitation for you to be their Savior. I believe with all my heart that some are making a decision right now that will change the remainder of their life and it's going to change their eternity. And so, God, today I pray that as they make this commitment, as they receive this invitation, they don't have any idea what they're walking into. But, God, I just pray today they would have this overwhelming sense of knowing that it is so good because you're a good, good Father. And you love us and you bless us. And, God, you are so much more than what we could ever earn or deserve. Thank you for loving us enough to do that. So I pray today for those that are making a decision to follow you today, that, oh, they would just sense your presence in their life in such a strong and powerful way. They would, they would literally feel a cleansing take place in their soul today. They would have an excitement of knowing they are now a part of the family of the King of Kings. And God, today uh, I pray for those that have accepted the invitation in, in other ways. Only you know. Only the Holy Spirit knows that invitation that's been extended to the others, but we've all received one today. And God, I've also just kind of been checked through this whole study and in preparing for today that as your servants, those of us who have received the invitation that's part of the family, we're, we're your servants, and so... That makes us people who deliver the invitation as well. Your, your, your call on our lives was to go and make disciples. 
And so that means that every single one of us are carrying these invitations with us everywhere that we go to invite people to come to the table. I pray that we would understand the importance of that. That we have the invitations and there are people out there who have not received them yet. And so I pray that you would find us faithful as your servants in extending the invitation. God, I pray for this team that's leaving this week to go to Belize. and I know how special those people are and how you can fall in love with their faith and how you can fall in love with those people and how dependent that they are upon you. But God, there are also people even there that don't know you. They know nothing about you and your love and your mercy and grace. And so I pray today for Nicole and Shelly and Mackenzie and this entire team that will be flying out this week. I pray, number one, that you would have your hand of protection over them. But God, number two, that you would use them. That your love would overflow from the depths of their hearts and the depths of their soul. That it would spill onto every precious soul that they come in contact with that every single one that comes in contact with this team and with these ladies would sense the presence of God and so God the, I, I pray that just now you would begin preparing their hearts the ones who will receive these invitations they're in Belize from this team you would begin now preparing their hearts for the invitation that they will receive but God, be with this team. Be everything that they need in every moment of every day. It's going to be long, hard work. It's going to be tiring. There are going to be some who are going to get sick. There's going to be all kinds of obstacles that Satan's going to put in their path and in their way. But God, we know, we know that greater is the one that is in us than the one that is in the world. So I pray that your power and your glory would be revealed as they go, as they go. It's beautiful to see the church go and make disciples. So God, as we leave this place, that's the call on every one of our lives. I pray that you find us faithful. I pray that you find us obedient. And I thank you so much for what you have done here today and what you're going to do with the responses to the invitations today what you're going to do in the days ahead. And we'll always be careful to give you the praise and give you the glory that you so rightfully deserve. In the powerful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Tell these young ladies you